Hello, you're listening to Repent and Believe Podcast with Cynthia Smalls, founder of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here, we talk about and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fashioned in God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen? Amen. Okay, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share, download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks, guys. Hello, everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How is everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You are not giving up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And so today we are going to crack open the Bible today. Oh, yes. Today, grab your Bibles, your journals, your pens, your paper, your notebook, the wall, whatever it is that you need to write down these scriptures, because today we are dealing with the topic that we cannot straddle the fence and follow Jesus at the same time. Ain't happening. So let's get right to it. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you and we want you. Father, we understand that we must believe that Christ Jesus is the Son of God and that he is God and that he died for our sins according to the scriptures. Father, we must obey the gospel. We must obey the gospel by responding to the finished work of Jesus on the cross with a resounding, yes, Lord, Father. You know that Jesus was buried. And on the third day, to your glory, Father, and through the the power and work of the Holy Spirit, you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, speaking of his own resurrection, said, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Talking about his life. He said, Father, I have, a, I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. And he said this, Father, in John 10, 18, 
We thank you, Father, for the shed blood of Jesus. Jesus' blood was shed on the cross and he made atonement for our sins, Father, so that we can be reconciled back to you and so that we can have our sins forgiven through his sacrifice. Father, we know without a shadow of a doubt that Christ Jesus is very much alive today. He is sitting at your right hand in heaven. So, Father, with today's lesson, give us clarity. Give us understanding and insight by your Spirit so that we may walk holy, so that we can walk in repentance Teach us today what repentance really looks like. Because we know that you call all men to repentance. Thank you, Father, for saving us. Father, may the body of Christ be blameless on the day that Jesus comes back for us. May the Holy Spirit move on me. Give me insight, Father, and clarity on your word. And I ask for wisdom. And I ask for strength. And I ask for, I ask that, I ask that the body of Christ crack open up their Bibles, study this word, so that there is no confusion, that there are no stumbling blocks. And may we, may we always give the right counsel, the correct counsel coming from your word. And I ask this and I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Okay, folks. So I just be getting caught up in these prayers. Glory be to God. I, listen, I love the Father. I love Jesus and I love the Holy Spirit, and I love the brethren. Glory be to God. So, yeah, today is going to be lengthy, but that's for a reason, because we need to crack open up these Bibles and get in there once and for all to find out about repentance. Listen, folks, the rudiments. When you repent of your sin, guess what? You don't get to stay in it. <laughs> I mean, listen, listen. At one point, we all were at the mercy of the Holy Spirit to get these teachings. But because we were in sin, even as a Christian, my hand is raised, okay? We had the misunderstanding about repentance. That had to be the case because how else do you ask, ask God for forgiveness? You say that you repent and then we turn around back and sin again. Obviously, we didn't get the full memo. We didn't get the clear understanding that once you repent, it means a change of the mind. 
It's not about the crying and the begging and the pleading because you got caught. Or you know God ain't playing with that lake of fire and you dibbling and dabbling back in sin, straddling the fence. One day you for Jesus. The next day you back over there in the kingdom of darkness. Nope. So today, by the Holy Spirit, may we get understanding. Okay. So you cannot be a saint and a sinner at the same time. Not in the same breath. You can't. So if you are truly born again, you are a new creature. The old, like the Bible says, the old has passed away. There will be no lukewarmness in heaven. Amen. Because Jesus has already made himself clear about that. He says that he will spit you out. So, Jesus said in Luke 9.23, And he said, and he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to follow me as my disciple, that this is the amplified, he must deny himself, set aside selfish interests and take up his cross daily, expressing a willingness to endure whatever may come. And follow me, believing in me, conforming to my example in living, and if need be, suffering or perhaps dying because of faith in me. Amen. So, (laughs) this is the core understanding of what it means to be a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ because a lot of a lot of people say they follow Jesus but then they want to encourage others about sin and to stay in it so it sounds wonderful on paper it sounds pious over there on Facebook aka my second job a.k.a. the lion's den. Over there on Facebook, everybody loves to say, oh, I'm a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I follow the teachings of Jesus. But are you denying yourself? Are you really setting aside selfish, selfish interests and taking up your cross daily? Meaning... Okay, to pick up your cross daily means to express a willingness to endure whatever may come. Whatever may come. So, if you see Jesus giving a command and you are living in direct opposition of that, well, that's what it means by whatever may come, because you have to come out of that. So, listen, 
there's a command from Jesus. And he says that you must repent because that's what we're going to get to today. The understanding of repent and what the Bible says about repentance. There's a command from Jesus and he says that you must repent and that you must believe the gospel. The Bible says there's an eternal penalty according to 2 Thessalonians 1 verses 8 through 9. There's a penalty for rejecting the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Like I said in a previous podcast, to obey the gospel means that you must respond to it. That means that other than saying, yes, Lord, I surrender my life to you. Please be my Lord and Savior. I repent of my sins. If that is not your response, then the Bible says that there will be eternal destruction in your immediate future once Jesus calls you out of that bodysuit. So, unfortunately, there are a lot of people in the body of Christ who do not understand what true repentance is really about. My hand is raised. Let me tell you, my hand is raised because when I was a backsliding Christian, oh yeah, I didn't really know what it was either. I'll ask God for forgiveness. And just like Israel, before long, I was right back in the same sin over and over again. And you want to know why? You want to know why I didn't know? just like the majority of us don't know, false teachers. That's why false teachers and their damnable false gospels led me to believe that I was once saved, always saved. So for me, where's the fear of the Lord in that gospel? Because that's another gospel that Paul was talking about. Okay, he says, let you be accursed if you are preaching another gospel. If you ain't preaching that how Jesus died for your sins on the cross and that he was buried and on the third day, God raised Jesus from the dead and he is alive today. He defeated sin. He defeated death by remaining alive still. The Bible says that Jesus was sinless and perfect. He's our example on how to live in this earth until he comes back. If they're not preaching on sin and repentance and that how if you don't stop it, you will go to hell. If they ain't preaching any of that, then they're preaching another gospel because the Bible is crystal clear. Yes, Jesus says that no man can pluck you out of his hand, but that's with the implication and expectation that you will go, comma, and sin no more because the Bible is clear on scriptures, upon scriptures that if you return back to sin, 
it would it would be better if you had never known the way to righteousness than to know it and reject the command to live a holy life. It's like a dog returning back to its vomit. So we ain't doing that. So listen, let me tell you something what happened a couple of days ago before we get into it, because I'm going to give us about, you ready? About 35 Bible verses on repentance and what that all means for us. Yep. So listen, listen to this. A couple of days ago, you know how I love my job over there on Facebook, a.k.a. The Lion's Den, a.k.a. Lord, give me strength. (laughs) Glory be to God. So. This whole deal, right, real quick as a sidebar, and then we're going to get into today's lesson. You know about divorce and remarry. On the podcast, I've done numerous uh, teachings on that. But just real quick, a sister in Christ over there on Facebook who, who understands, like, thank you, Lord, that I got the clarity about divorce and remarry, Jesus has said, said that except it be for fornication, that if you divorce a person for any other reason, okay, you commit adultery in that new marriage that you are in. And God does not recognize second and third and fourth uh, remarriages. So anyway, the sister in Christ over there on Facebook a few days ago posted that lesson, that teaching, okay? And she was saying that how glory be to God that someone who were tuning in to her her many posts about that topic actually repented. This woman, she was in, um, I believe, um, a second marriage, an adulterous marriage because her first spouse was still alive. Anywho, she were she was given a praise report about how this woman had contacted her and said, you know, thank you for your teaching. I repent. I am now coming out of this adulterous marriage and all of the feelings that's tied into it. Nevertheless, she is going to obey Jesus. Cool, right? What I lovingly call the peanut gallery. Those are those uh responders on Facebook who say that they are Christian when they chime in from the left who are in error okay this other I presume sister in Christ has said well something to the fact that well oh well I hope she doesn't leave that marriage. That marriage is an adulterous marriage. And she's telling this woman via the post that if you are happy in that marriage, don't leave it. Excuse me, how are you going to tell someone to stay in sin? The woman is saying that she's repenting. She got the memo that no adulterer will inherit the kingdom of God. And so she was letting the other sister know because of her many posts on that topic. She went before the Lord and she got convicted by the Holy Spirit that yes, 
she is in sin and that if she don't repent, she ain't going to make it. So the sister was saying, glory be to God, this woman is repenting. And here the other sister from the left is saying, well, I hope she don't leave that marriage because, I, cause, you know, if it's making her happy and on and on. And you know me. <laughs> you know, I had to add my little two cents. So basically, I was just telling her, you, we, at the end of the day, we can't encourage people to stay in sin because real quick, the recap on divorce and marry and remarry with your first covenant spouse still being alive, that is an adulterous union. Why? Listen to this. Jesus is very clear about what he said in Matthew 19:9. Okay? Because a lot of a lot of people are deceived that if you are married and your spouse cheats on you, commits adultery, that you have every right according to the misunderstanding of the scripture that you can get a divorce. Jesus said, "And I say unto you, Whosoever, whosoever shall put away his wife except for fornication and shall marry another committed adultery. And he that marry her, that divorced woman, when she is put away, committed adultery. Amen. So Jesus is very clear on this. It's everyone else that's confused and are deceived. So, real quick, here's the recap. The question on the floor at the time that I, I did this teaching was, if a Christian gets a divorce and remarries, is he or she guilty of a continuous sin for as long as the marriage continues? Should the couple divorce to end the sin of adultery? The answer is yes and yes. Yes, she is he or she is guilty of a continuous sin because every time you sleep with that new spouse, you commit adultery against your first covenant spouse that you divorced who is who is now still living. Right? So because Jesus has had answered in John 8 34 he says most assuredly I say to you whosoever commits sin is a slave of sin and the consequences for not coming out of sin any sin whether it be adultery whether whether it be uh uh what homosexuality, greed, drunkenness, whatever, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. It tells us who will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. So I just wanted to make mention of that because you can't straddle the fence. You can't because the woman who was saying, come to find out that, well, I hope she doesn't leave that marriage. If she's happy, leave her alone. Why are y'all judging? Why are y'all condemning her? And we're like, it is not us that's condemning anyone. These are the words and the teachings 
the wholesome sound doctrine teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. God himself is saying this. And the reason why she was going to bat for sin is because she, she was in her second marriage. Not only her, but her spouse, it, the husband, he's in his second marriage as well. And both exes are still alive. So, wonderful segue into today's teaching about we cannot straddle the fence. Either you're going to pick up your cross and follow Jesus, all of his teachings, or you're going to stay a sinner in your sins. So listen, biblical repentance, let's get this clear, is a change of mind and heart about sin. It is a change of mind about who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for you. And it leads to a turning away from sin. Like I said, you don't get to stay in your sin because just like, hold on, I'm going to tell you right now, just like the person who steals well, then guess what? They have to stop sinning. I mean, they have to stop stealing, right? And just like the homosexual, once they repent, once they repent of that sins, they have to stop sleeping with the same sex. Listen, we can, thank you, Holy Spirit. We cannot have our cake and eat it too, because this is not how the kingdom of God works. Amen. And so, is repenting, because the question on the floor now becomes, well, is repentance a work? No. Does repentance save you? No. But you can't place your faith in Christ for salvation without first having a change of mind. Listen, we must be extremely careful that we never understand repentance as a work. So let's get to these Bible verses. Open up your Bibles because we are cracking it open today. We are saved by faith in Christ alone. Apart from our works, it is God who grants us repentance. You can't come to the Lord, people, unless he brings you to himself. Repentance is the result of true salvation in Christ Jesus. True faith will make you new. God commands all men to repent and believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the facts. Genuine repentance will lead to a different relationship and attitude towards sin. Because when Jesus died on the cross for your sins, he abolished the control and mastery that sin will ever have again on your life. Listen, you don't have to sin. 
God grants us the gift of repentance. That is, it's this wonderful ability that you don't even want to sin. Yeah, you yeah, you can, but it's like this, it's like this having a want not to want to sin anymore. It's this desire that you hate sin. You hate it just like God hates sin. It's like it's like vomit in the back of your throat. It now disgusts you. It's like, nah, I'm not doing that. That's nasty. Or that's a sin against God and he loves me. He saved me and he ain't playing with that lake of fire. So no, I ain't doing it. And that's the mindset. We can get as biblical about repentance all we want to. To keep it easy, it's like you don't want to. It's like this. Nope. I could sin. Ain't no benefit in it. What benefit did it do me when I was knee deep on my way to hell in sin? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. So what's the point? So, an ungenerated person says this, that Jesus died for my sins. Who cares? I'll rebel now and repent later. Because you see, false repentance never leads to a turning away from sin. It don't. Listen, so here we go with the Bible verses. What does the Bible say about repentance? Number one, Luke 15, 4 through 7 says, If a man has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Glory be to God. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one The Bible says over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. So for all of them self-righteous Christians, okay, who think that their feces don't stink, to think that they got this in the bag. They on their way to heaven. Look at me. I'm doing great. Really? Well, guess what? Heaven says that they rejoice. How it says that they that there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who were on their way to hell. And you over here with the 99 clapping and screaming about how, oh, y'all going to heaven, which is great. 
But guess what? The focus is on that center. Yes. Glory be to God. Number two, Luke 532 says, I have not come to call righteous people, but sinners to repentance. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Listen, true repentance. True repentance leads to regret, godly sorrow, and turning from sin. Whereas counterfeit repentance leads to self-pity and worldly sorrow. And that leads us to number three, because look at this. 2 Corinthians 7 verses 8 through 10 says, For even if I grieve you, even if I grieve you with my letter, I do not regret it. Even though I did re regret it since I saw that the letter grieved you, yet only for a little while. Now I rejoice, not because you were grieved, but because your grief led to repentance. For you were grieved as God willed, so that you didn't experience any loss from us for godly grief. For godly grief produces a repentance not to be regretted and leading to salvation, but worldly grief produces death. Amen. So let's look at two scriptures, number four and five, about what true repentance look, looks like and what counterfeit false repentance looks like. So number four, the true repentance repentant person. Psalms 51, 4. And this is David. David, listen, if you ever want to learn how to repent, check out King David. Oh, King David was a repenting man. He would, he would lay prostrate and cry out to the Lord about his sin, especially with him and Bathsheba. So over here in Psalms 51, 4, David is crying out against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say and your judgment against me is just. Amen. That's true repentance. You ain't blaming nobody else. You ain't trying to make someone else the scapegoat. You are taking full responsibility that you and you alone sinned against God and you and you are asking for forgiveness. Number five. Now, this is the counterfeit repentance. Okay. You just sorry you got caught. Matthew 27, three to five. When Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. Now, well, no, I ain't gonna add nothing to that. He was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priest and the elders. I have sinned, he declared. For I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted. That's your problem. 
Then Judas threw the silver coins down in the temple and went out and hanged himself. Amen. So where King David was crying out to the Lord how he sinned against him. Judas didn't do that. Oh, he felt God, I mean, he felt worldly sorrow that he had a part in condemning Jesus. And so he did not repent to God for his sin. He went out and committed suicide. So God in his love grants repentance. Out of his grace, he grants us repentance. Number six, Acts eleven eighteen. We are going through the Bible today, looking to see what God has said about repentance. What did Jesus say about repentance? What does what does the Holy Spirit say about repentance? Acts eleven eighteen says. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then had God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Amen. Because just like the Jews, we, the Gentiles, now can have the gift of repentance as well. Amen. Number seven. Thank you, Holy Spirit. John six forty four. For no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them to me, and at the last day I will raise them up. Amen. Number eight, Second Timothy, because right now we are looking at how God grants repentance, and that how out of his grace, this is what he grants us. Amen. So number eight, second Timothy 2.25 says, correcting his opponents with gentleness, God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. Amen. Number nine, Acts 5.31. God has exalted to his right hand this very man as our leader and savior in order to extend repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. Amen. So we see that God commands every man to repent. God commands all men to repent and put their faith in Christ Jesus who died for their sins. So Amen. Number 10. Acts 17.30 says, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now, okay, but now he commands everyone everywhere. Everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him. Amen. This is not an option. This, if you don't do this, it's a sin otherwise, because everything that God commands, and if we reject it, well, then that's sin. Glory be to God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So this is a command. This is not an option. If you feel like it, 
it says in times past, God winked at the ignorance about these things. But now, but now he commands every man, everyone, everywhere, everywhere to repent. Amen. Number 11. Because if y'all didn't know about this ministry, repent and believe. Let me tell you something. You know, you know how people love a certain car and that let's say someone is like a Cadillac freak and all their cars have ever been were Cadillacs. They don't like Mercedes. They don't like Volvo. They don't like Chevy. Nope. For them, it's all about the Cadillac. Amen. So for me, it's all about the repentance of it all, okay? Because like I said many times on the podcast, God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit did not give me a ministry to stroke anyone's ego. He didn't give me the candy corn, cracker jack, apple corn flakes type of ministry. That may work well for some. That's their lane, My lane is this, that you must repent and believe that Jesus died for your sins, that he is the son of God. He is God. And that if you don't stop it, you will go to hell. We must turn to God in full, compliant obedience, willingly and in love because of what he has done for us. So for me, you're not going to find any episodes on smiling in your face, unicorns and butterflies. Oh, don't worry about your sins. At the end of the day, you want to get to heaven anyway. Nope. That is not the ministry that he gave me. And In times past, I would have wanted the Joel Osteen smiling in your face because that's what makes people feel good about, quote unquote, coming to Christ. No, he gave me that old fire and brimstone boldness ministry. And I love it because the Bible is true. It says that he will give you your heart's desires desires. But if you let the prosperity fake phony pastor tell you that the desires of your heart is all the cars, all the houses, and all the lands that God can give you and all the money you can have, that's your heart's desires. No, pastor, that's your depraved and corrupt desires. No, God gives us his desires. And once he plants those into your spirit, those are now your desires. I don't want to do anything else with my life but this preach the gospel. And so for this season, he has me on the podcast. For this season, he has me over there on Facebook, aka The Lion's Den. Amen. So number 11, come on, we got to get to it. I'm going to try to get to all 35. I'm going to try.
Glory be to God. Number 11, Matthew 4, 16 to 17 says, The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death cast its shadow, a light has shined. From then on, Jesus began to preach. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Amen. So we're in that as Jesus is telling us that the gospel is to live your best life ever. Ain't in there. So I got my water today. Number 12, Mark 1, 15. Because straight out the gate, once John the Baptist baptized Jesus and that firmament cracked open and God says, this is my son, his beloved son, whom he loved and is well pleased with. And the the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove. Okay. After that, out the gate, he went, he was led into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil defeated that his first his first message was what repent so how can anyone tell us that repentance is not part of the salvation process it is not a work it's not what makes us saved but this is what we do by faith once we hear the gospel the real gospel Okay, then we believe, then we then we repent of our sins, we forsake them because we we now have forgiveness of that, of those sins. So going forward, we we now pick up our cross and follow Jesus. And and how did Jesus live his life on this earth? In total obedience to the Father. And likewise, like the Bible says, we are not greater than our master. So if Jesus walked in obedience, but guess what? How much more so should we? We were the sinners. We were the ones sinning against God. We racked up and stacked up a huge sin debt because we didn't want to stop sinning. So where I leave off, right? The kingdom of God is near. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. That was Jesus' first message out the gate. Glory be to God. So without repentance, there is no forgiveness of sins because you must repent. You must change your mind where sin is concerned. No longer do you want to keep on sinning against holy God because he told us in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin is what? Death. Eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. Yep that burns with fire and brimstone for all of eternity. So, where we at? Right? Without repentance, there is no forgiveness. You can't have forgiveness of your sin without first repenting. 
Because then why why would you need forgiveness of something that you feel you don't have to change your mind about? Thank you, Holy Spirit. That was beautiful. So now look, number 13. Come on, girl. We got to move this along. Acts 3.19 says, Now repent of your sins and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. So we're seeing, first you believe the gospel, right? No, no, no. First, hear the gospel, okay? Okay? You have to hear the gospel. Then, then you must repent, of your sins because once you hear the gospel you will believe the gospel and and that will propel propel you compel you to put away your sins and then we can have forgiveness of those sins amen and so number 15 second chronicles 7:14 because we are seeing that without repentance there is no forgiveness so then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Amen. So we see without repentance first, there is no forgiveness. Amen. And so repentance is the result of your true faith in Christ. The evidence that you are truly saved is that your life will will change, folks. There must be a clear demarcation line drawn in your life where before you were in Christ, stole, stone cold sinner, to now a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus. It should be a stark contrast. So your life will change. If there is no change, listen, if you say that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and you still smoking that weed, you still watching that porn, you still masturbating to the porn, you still in that homosexual lifestyle, you still lying and stealing and being covetous, you don't know how to cover up that body, you drinking alcohol like a fish, you still smoking them cigarettes, there ain't no change. Where is the change in your life? Because you're still doing the same thing. Only thing different now is that you say you are a Christian. Where, where is the fruit? Where is the fruit of repentance showing up in your life, Miss Missy? Number 16, because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore... If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold. That means, look, look at this. Look, behold. Can't you see this? Look at here. <laughs> okay, look at here. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Look at this, right? All things are become new. There must be the newness of life showing up. People should say, wow, Sally changed. 
Oh my goodness. She was down at the club swinging on the pole. Now she's holding Bible classes. She's now covering up that brick house of a body. What happened to Sally? Jesus. Amen. Number 17. Come on, we got to get to this. Matthew 7 verses 16 through 17 says, you'll recognize them by their fruit. Glory be to God. Like I said, there must be a before and after so much to the point that people are shocked when they see you. Every time they talk to you, all you want to talk about now is Jesus. Where before, all you want to talk about is them reality shows and going to the, uh, to the next uh, satanic concert. Yeah. So look, Matthew 17, no, Matthew 7, verses 16 to 17 says, You'll recognize them by their fruit. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from the thistles? In the same way, every good tree produces good fruit, but a bad tree produces bad fruit. Amen. Number 18, Luke 3, 8 to 14 because we're talking about it should be a difference now in your life okay therefore produce fruit consistent with repentance and don't start saying to yourselves we have abraham as our father for i tell you that god is able to raise up for abraham from these no 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 for I tell you that God is able to raise up children for, Ab- for Abraham from these stones. Even now the axe is ready to strike the root of the trees. Because this is John the Baptist talking. Okay. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So, for the Christian, if we ain't, according to the scripture, if we ain't producing good fruit, we will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Only fire I know about in the Bible is over there in Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15, that says that if your name is not found written in the book of life, you will be thrown into the lake of fire. So, yeah, so mm, it will do us all well to have some fruit showing up in our lives, right? Amen? Amen. Because, look, it says... Right. About being thrown into the fire. What then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied to them. The one because you see. They wanted to know because after he just finished saying about how if you don't produce good fruits of repentance that you will be cut down and thrown into the fire the crowd the crowd was like what then should we do so now john is about to tell them what repentance looked like okay the before and the after he goes on to say he replied to them the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none and the one who has food must do the same tax collectors also came to be baptized. 
And they asked him, teacher, what should we do? And he told them, okay, well, don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. Because apparently they were doing the opposite, right? So then some soldiers also questioned him because everybody wanted to know what must I do to now turn from the way that I have been living? Because what John just finished telling them apparently pricked their hearts. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So some soldiers also questioned him, what should we do? He said to them, don't take don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. Amen. And so God's kindness leads to repentance. Amen. Number 19. Come on, we're trying to get to 25. Romans 2, 4. Talking about God's kindness. It will lead to repentance. Listen. Romans 2, 4 says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Amen. Because you see, God's forbearance, his patience, his long-suffering. Because let me tell you, we did not get what we deserved. Jesus took that for us. He took on the wrath of God so that we don't have to face it. He saved us from the wrath to come, right? So while we over here dragging our feet, talking about, well, yeah, I'm coming to Christ. Hold up. Wait a minute. I'm coming. I'm coming. God is being patient with us. That word forbearance is not something that we use in everyday language. When, when I was in the banking industry, that term came up a lot con concerning mortgages. And even when I was assigning uh, a mobile notary signing agent, where I was the person with the stacks of papers at the closing there to notarize everything. And there were many clauses about forbearance. That means that if you somehow fall behind your mortgage payments, the bank in their forbearance, in their grace to give you a break, because normally you got 60 days to make this payment. On the 61st day, they can come in and take that home. But you go down there and you explain to them the case of the situation. They, to their discretion and privilege and forbearance, they will extend you a, a courtesy. Okay, we're going to give you 90 more days to get this together. Otherwise, we're coming back for the keys. So in their forbearance, they, they have now extended to you more grace. So how much more wonderful and humbling is God's patience with us in his forbearance? Because we don't deserve this. This is 
to his glory for his good pleasures so that in the ages to come, he, he can point to us and say, see, see how my my grace was in action. See, and we're going to be over here like, uh-huh, yup, yup, it was good. It was, it was real good. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So number 20, come on, come on. Number 20, second Peter three, nine says the Lord, oh, wait, 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 I didn't finish. Hold on. Back up to number 19, Romans 2, 4. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Question mark. Number 20, 2 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slow concerning his promise. As some regard slowness, but is being patient with you. <laughs> I added that in. Hold on. But is being patient toward you because he does not wish for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Amen. So there is a need, folks, and this is the close. There is a need for daily repentance. Listen. We are at constant war with sin. Repentance does not mean that we can't struggle. Sometimes we feel broken over sin and we hate it with a passion, but we can still fall short. Believers can rest upon the perfect merit of Christ and run to the Lord for forgiveness. Amen. But guess what? That don't give us a license to sin. The mindset and the goal is to sin less and less. Yes, there are some areas that we may struggle with. But the goal is to put it away. The goal is not to encourage that sin. The goal, the goal is not to inflame the passions and the, the lust and the desires of the flesh. The goal is not to make provision for the flesh. The goal is to go the opposite way, to do a 180 degree turn back to God. That's what we do. Amen. Number 21, Romans 7, 15 to 17 says, I do not understand what I do because yes, we, we struggle. Okay. Like I said, we do struggle, but we are looking to overcome. We are not looking to indulge in it. So yeah, there is a war going on because Paul addressed that issue right here where he says, I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good as it is. It is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Listen, until the Lord Jesus Christ comes back to give us our glorified resurrected body, while we are still in this stinking rotten flesh, we will have the opportunity to commit sin. 
But just like Paul, he says that, but I put this body in check. I put it under subjection. Why? Because after preaching all of this, that I myself become a castaway? Now, now I beat this body into submission. No flesh, we ain't going to the club. No flesh, we ain't smoking this weed. No flesh, we ain't sleeping with Bob down at the job who don't know how to stop cheating on his wife. So, absolutely not. So, number 22, Romans 7, 24. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Number 23, Matthew 3, 8. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance and that's the bottom line yeah there's a war going on we know that sin is living in us but guess what jesus says produce fruit and keeping with repentance amen because listen it is a challenge Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus put us to the challenge that if we want to be his follower, that if we want to be his disciples, well, then guess what you got to do? Okay. Yeah. It's some rules and it's for your benefit. Listen, Jesus ain't playing no games with this. Don't, you know what? I'm going to end this right here. Let's come over here to Isaiah 52 because we can go on and on with these scriptures. I believe enough has been said about repentance according to the Bible. Let's come over here because Jesus is, I'm speaking for the Lord. Look, he's like, after all I've been through at the cross, and y'all want to keep playing all these church games, talking about how oh, I follow Jesus. He was like, okay, well, you know what? He put everyone to the challenge. Deny yourself. Because you know how man loves not to deny themselves, right? He's like, okay, deny yourself, pick up your cross and come follow me. That put that means put down all your worldly passions, all your lusts, all your desires, live as I live and come follow me. Okay, because there's a story. What is it? I want to say like John 6 like verses 66 to maybe down about seven, maybe a little, somewhere around there. Let's say John 6, let's say start start at like 58 and go to 70. Give you a broad measure there. But anyway, you had a bunch of people following Jesus, right? And because of his teachings, it's hard, okay? Anybody with half a brain would know that trying to follow Jesus the way he lived his life and how we, we have been crucified. We no longer live for self because Christ lives in us. This life we now live, we live it by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for us because he loved us. And that's Galatians 2.20. Okay. So now... You had a bunch of people following Jesus, calling themselves his disciples. After these teachings, one by one, they all start to fall away. And he turned to his core 12 and he asked them, you going to leave me too? Okay. Peter, 
And this is my mantra for my life. He was like, where else are we going to go, Lord? For you have the words of eternal life. And I'm like, exactly. Where else am I going to go for eternal life? Because the Roman Catholic pagan church don't have it. The Mormons definitely don't got it. New Agers, they don't even have a clue. Okay. Uh, who else? Who else on the spectrum? The Buddhists. All, all those Islam, all of those false religions don't have the words of eternal life. Jesus is eternal life. So, like Peter, where else are we going to go? So, listen, right over here. Where's that? Uh, look at okay, chosen, right? Cut down to heaven. I want to read about how the Bible talks about what he looked like. Hold on. Because we, we we need to get the understanding of all what Jesus has done for us. And we're going to sit over here in the 21st century. Hold on. The people were a poet. Hold on. The people. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to get you the scripture. The people. Hold on. Were, I'm doing this in real time. Were appalled of what they were looking at when they saw Jesus hanging up there on the cross. Hold on. The people were appalled. At, gee, hold on. Come on. I'm typing this in. At sin. Come on. Jesus. I want to give you the verse. The line by is Isaiah 52. I be saying Isaiah 42 a lot. If I, if I have ever said that on a podcast, I apologize. I apologize. It was okay. Isaiah 52, 14. And this is the super duper close. Hold on. It says, as many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. It says that in, in the Amplified, just as many were astonished and appalled at you, my people, so his appearance was marred more than any man and his form talking about his body marred more than the sons of men. This scripture right here is saying this, okay? And this is Cynthia commentary. When when the those barbaric Roman soldiers got done with whipping Jesus with that cat of nine tails, ripping his flesh from his body, down to the white meat, flesh, bone, tissue, everything flying everywhere. It was a virtual blood bath. Jesus was barely alive when they when they nailed him to that cross. He was so beaten, according to the scripture, so marred, marred, so mutilated that the people. When they saw Jesus hanging up there on the cross, they were horrified. They didn't even know what they were looking at. It can't be a man. That don't look like a man hanging up there on the cross. Tell me what am I looking at? He was beaten and swollen. He was so disfigured. It says that his face, look. 
It says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured. He seemed hardly human. And from his form and from his appearance, no one scarcely knew he was a man. Yo, you know, glory be to God for your blessed word. Don't you know how crazy that sounds? How 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 must he have looked looked it like? Yeah, I'm speaking broken English. What were the people looking at? The Bible is telling us Jesus looked unrecognizable as a human being hanging up there on the cross. He was so disfigured that he seemed hardly human. So for us down in the 21st century thinking it's an option to repent, to respond with the eh to the gospel. Okay, well, God says that there's a penalty for that, that the axe is down at the root and it will be cut off and thrown into the fire. So I'm going to let y'all go. I'm going to let y'all go with that. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, I'll speak to you all soon. Bye for now. guys for tuning in. I truly appreciate all your support. Until next time, I'll be talking to y'all soon. Bye.